0: This is the Old Radio Show's Podcast.
1: Someday I'm gonna get off this old tugboat and find myself a nice job ashore inside some central heated office. Yeah. I used to say that.
0: Well, look at here I am, still working the tugboat. Well, I'm going to part. Hey, Bill, come here quick. What's the matter? Come here right there. What goes on? Take a look over at the
1: port side. And tell me, am I going nuts or something? Holy smoke. You see
0: the same thing I do? That looks like a pair of legs sticking up out of the water. Oh, he's two. too. You get that boat up on the port side. you Just past the stern. Go on the reverse. Right. Okay. Okay, hold it. I got him. Get out here and give me a hand. Okay. What? Two. Oh. Right. Oh, you get a load of
1: that guy. Somebody should have told me he put a life belt around the waist. No, around the
0: ankle. Yeah. He did He is. He never put this life bulb on himself. What? Somebody else did that. Take a look at his head. Hey. This guy was murdered. <laughs> This is Steve
1: Granger, private detective with a story about a comic strip artist who got himself involved in a situation which didn't prove so comic for him. In just a moment, I'll take you back to one of my most interesting cases. This is Granger. I was sitting in my office where a radiator was giving off some of that heat that's so popular on wintry days. Business has been slower than a fifth avenue bus in a blizzard, and I was thinking of locking up shop and taking the afternoon off when the man rushed in. Listen, if you're a two-branger, you ought to do something for me right away. Now slow down to the wall, Miss. They're after me. They're going to find me. And when they do, I'll be accused of murder. What murder? Who are you? As soon as they see the people, they'll come looking for me, and I'll be accused of murder. I didn't do it, you understand? As soon as you can tell me a couple of things, we'll go ahead. If you can't, I'll throw you out. You're making me nervous. All oh. right. Yeah, all right. What do you want to know? That's a good question. First, who are you? Then, second, who was murdered? Third, why is anybody going to say you did it? Very well. My name is Keith Leffert. Number two, please. Look at this newspaper. <laughs> right there. In the crew of the tugboat Mary J. found the body of Calvin Leffert floating downstream in the Hudson River. When the body was hauled aboard, they found that a life belt had been tied around the ankle. The ankles? What kind of routine is that? Keep on reading. At the morgue, it was found that Leopard had died of drowning, but suspicion arose when a bruise bad enough to cause a fracture was found in his forehead. What relation is a dead man to you. He's my brother. And when the police start checking, they'll be sure I did it and I'll be locked up. Why? Turn the paper to the comic section. Comics? Section. Go on,
0: go on. Okay.
1: Now what? Look at today's Coast Patrol comic strip. I bent an eye over the pictures and got a surprise. In the comics, the Coast Patrol had found exactly what the tugboat men had really found in the Hudson River this morning. Then I looked at the artist's name and got another surprise. You see now? So, you're the man who draws this strip, huh? not
0: Notice the identical way in which the man in the comic strip dies? Yeah, I do. The police will find
1: out about this. When they do, they will with me. Did you kill your brother? No. How far in advance did you draw this Coast Patrol? I'd say four to five weeks ahead. And you think that somebody might have got hold of the Coast Patrol and killed your brother the same day the story appeared? What else can I think? Who can take a look at your stuff before it's published? Thousands of people. The syndicate people, newspaper employees, my servants... Uh, and that bothers me, too. Why? In tomorrow's issue, the leader of the gang is killed. At that time, evidence is produced that proves that the second dead man killed the first. And you think that'll happen to you? I'm convinced of it. I met a few comic strip artists in that time, but Keith Leffert took the first prize. He was nervous as a landlord at a rent control meeting. I promised to look into the matter, set him on his way, and took a trip down to police headquarters to find out what I could about the murdered man. After that, I called Leffert. I had a question to ask him and hoped he would give me the right answer.
0: Hello?
1: Oh, uh, is Mr. Leffert there?
0: Oh, who is this calling? My name
1: is Granger. It's very important that I speak to him.
0: Oh, very well. One moment, please. Hello?
1: Leffert, this is Granger. yes. Yes. Police have estimated that your brother's body was put in the river about nine this morning. Oh, no. An alibi for that time? No. Where were you? In Jersey. Why, Jersey? I got a telephone call at eight o'clock. It was supposed to have been from an artist who does my filling work. He told me the stuff was ready. Why didn't he come to Manhattan?
0: He's an invalid.
1: In that case, you've still got an alibi, Leffert.
0: That's just it. When I got over to Jersey, the man wasn't home. <laughs>
1: When Keith Leffert gave me the crippled man's telephone number, I hung up, dialed the man, and checked on the story of the Jersey trip. The man denied having called Leffert and certainly had not seen him. I walked out of the drug store where I'd made the call and moved towards the corner, intending to flag down a cab. But I changed. I stepped across the street. Something made me look to the right. A car was running through the light directly at me. I'll continue with this interesting story in a minute. As the car rode towards me, I threw myself back to the shelter of the sidewalk. My body hit the ground. I felt my foot just scrape the side of the car as it went past and disappeared. I barely escaped from a deliberate rundown. I stood for a while, getting my breath back. Then I hailed a cab and went to see the nervy comic strip artists. He showed me into his study, and I told him two things. One, the guy he claimed had called him to Jersey denied having done it. Two, the attempt on my life. But that's... that's terrible. Are you sure it was you they tried to run down? I was the only one crossing the street. Ranger, this is making me more worried than ever. How about a drink? I could sure use one. I'll wait for the maid. I watched it move around restlessly, picking at this, moving that, snapping his fingers. Then the door opened. <laughs> this woman was no maid. She was tall, the statuesque type with dark red hair that glimmered like copper. And that moon dress, the party type, didn't do any harm either. I
0: heard the bell, darling, and told myself. Uh, what do you want? A couple of drinks, Rosa. Oh, uh,
1: this is Steve Granger, a private detective. This is my wife, Rosa. Sure, How do you do? <sighs>
0: What in the world are you doing with a private detective? He's going to be my bodyguard. But I thought the police did those things. They do, darling,
1: but I want someone around all the time. I'm afraid something might happen.
0: To you? Really, please. Calvin's death has upset you more than I thought. Yes, it has. Oh, I'm glad to no know Mr. Granger, even under these most unusual circumstances. All
1: right, Mrs. Levitt. I was uh, just going to ask your husband if he had any idea why someone would want to kill his brother. Keith? You'd better tell him, Rosa.
0: I'll get the drinks. Uh, what should it be, Mr. Granger? Scotch, rye, or drink? And scotch,
1: please. i on the rock. I'll
0: be right back.
1: Levitt, what's this about your brother? He hmm. owed money. A lot of money. To a man. What's a lot? 5000 That's a lot. Only, uh... To whom did your brother owe this money? A man named Speed. Andrew Speed. He runs some kind of place. I see. Steve, there's somebody
0: here from the police department. He wants to talk to you. Granger,
1: will you stand by me? I've got a better idea. Talk to him. He wants to take you down to headquarters, go along with no argument. But Granger... Then get your attorney. He can get you out on a writ of habeas corpus, okay? Yes. Now go talk to him.
0: Aren't you acting strangely, Mr. Granger? I thought my husband employed you to guard him.
1: I have a feeling that right now your husband would be better off in jail. But
0: he's not guilty of his brother's death.
1: Mrs. Eckert, is there a back way out of here?
0: that door there. It leads out into the hall.
1: Thanks. I'll see you later. But your drink? I'll have to see that later, too. <laughs> I slipped out the side door and made my way back around towards the front of the building and the elevators. Then, if an officer recognized me, at least I wouldn't be sneaking. I headed downtown to Cal Hendricks's place, and all the time I had a feeling I was being followed, but I couldn't stop my follower. Hiya, Stevie, boy. You look kind of hot and bothered. Why shouldn't I? I was nearly kissed goodbye by a car... Which had lethal intentions. Believe me, I've been sweating ever since. Well, it's one way to get warm, these cold days. Say, Cal, what do you know about a fellow named Andrew Steed? Runs some kind of a joint. It's no joint. It's called a padlock club. One of those places where each customer has a key. Oh, yeah? Steed's a sharpie. He's never been brought in by the police. But they have gambling. They do. At least the word's around on that. But Mr. Steed has never been caught. And from the bevy of legal lights he's got around him, probably never will be. (laughs) Uh, Hendrick speaking. Yeah, he's here. The you. So is his name. Don't recognize the Hello? Granger? Yeah? Stay away from Keith Leffert. something will happen to you. Like being run down by another car? How'd you ever guess? Hello? 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 What was that? the character, handing out warnings. I'll see you, Cal. Do I always see Mr. Steed? I most certainly am.
0: <laughs>
1: Andrew Steed lived in an ultra, ultra apartment in an ultra, ultra section. I got past the doorman with no trouble. Ten floors higher up, I found myself at the padlock club owner's door. Who are you? What do you want? This is my busy day. <clears throat> I'm Steve Granger. I want to talk to Andrew Steed. About a murder. What murder? Calvin Leffert. I see if the boss will talk to you or not. It all closed in my face. I tried to recall the voice on the telephone of Cal Hendrix's. And if it resembled this man's or not, I couldn't quite make it better. The boss will give you five minutes. This is his busy day, too. You don't know how grateful I am. Come on. Let me the boss. Andrew Steed in person. You said you wanted to talk about Leffert's murder, Granger. Why? Very simple, Steed. I could have had a rumor that you put the finger on Calvin Leffert because he couldn't pay off $5,000 he owed you. Killing Calvin Leffert wouldn't get me back the money, you know. But it might intimidate a few others who owe you money, too, wouldn't you think? Granger, I don't want to be linked with Leffert killing. It's extremely bad for business. I didn't have anything to do with the killing. Did the police know anything about that 5,000 Calvin Oldman? Not from me, they don't. But I believe they have taken Keith uh, down to headquarters. He could crack on a question. Aren't you scared? Who else knows besides you and Keith Lifford? They couldn't say. And yeah, it isn't good. How much will you take to keep quiet about my connection? Not a cent, Steve. If you didn't have anything to do with Calvin Leffert's death, fine. You did? That's another thing. <laughs> See you later, Steve. I moved towards the elevators. Suddenly, that instinct told me to turn around. I did and ducked just in time. I hadn't got a good look at the gunman's position, but it could have been the doorway to Steve's apartment. What's going on out here? All right, Steed, hold it. You, Buster, get out of here. What's the matter with you? Let's see that gun you've got parked in your shoulder. (laughs) Now, loose it. Get it out.
0: Okay.
1: Here. This hasn't been fired. Here, take it back. All right, Granger. What was that for? You got a gun, Steed? Don't be ridiculous. What happened? Some joker took a pot shot at me. Must have disappeared down this corridor. Granger, come inside a moment. Uh, Something I think you should know. Okay. (laughs) What is it? Take him, Munter. (laughs) Upgrade
0: you. Take that gun of yours before you hurt
1: yourself. What's this for, Steve? I've changed my mind about you, Mister. I think perhaps you'd better be put on ice for a little while. Yeah? Yeah. I felt the impact of a gun butt behind my ear. So nine kinds of brilliance and promptly dive down into blackness. That's one of the disadvantages of my profession. Every hoodlum in town thinks of you as a nut to crack. In just a minute, I'll bring you the climax of the case. When I woke up after being slugged by Andrew Steed's sidekick, I had a splitting headache and felt like a bundle of laundry. When I looked around the globe, I found myself tied hand and foot in what was some kind of an oversized canvas bag. I spent what must have been an hour or two in a vehicle that bounced along with gay abandon. I felt like I was living a chapter out of Keith Leppert's Coast Patrol. Then the vehicle stopped. All right, let's get him out of here. Right. I felt myself being lifted and carried. The door opened and shut. Then another one.
0: Is this the man?
1: Yes. you know what to do? I do. Be sure and keep an eye on him. He gets violent occasionally. Then I heard a door shut. And in a moment, the canvas bag was undone. And I was untied by a small, shifty-looking character in a white coat. There. That's more comfortable, isn't it? If you're a doctor, mister... You're gonna be in a jam for this caper. Now, now, don't get excited. The guy took off and locked the door. I looked around. I was in a cell, carefully padded. It didn't take much to figure that I was in a private institution. It probably booked as a relative or friend of Andrew Steve's. I sat in the cell for an hour, two, three, and through a barred window I could see the day fading into night. Then I had a visitor. I thought you might like some food. Why, thanks a lot. I could use a bite. fine right, well, here's the tray. I'm sure you'll be satisfied. Oh, tray, you character.
0: <laughs>
1: I looked down at the fallen man for a second. Then I went through him. Got a set of keys. I moved cautiously towards what I hoped was the front of the building. This was the office where I'd made my first exit from the laundry bag this was the street and i was free but where was i i jotted down the number of the building an old house that had been converted to a sanitarium on next corner i got the name of the street from a sign it was cypress i held a passing car the driver took me to the local taxi stand i was in a small town in new jersey i told a hacky to take me back to manhattan I stood at the door of Keith Leffitt's spot, pushing the buzzer button. I waited five minutes, then ten. I bent in knee to the door and couldn't hear a sound. I left the building for a telephone booth and made a call to police headquarters. The headquarters man told me that Leffitt had been released after an hour of questioning. My next stop was Steve's apartment. I had a news flash for him in both hands. After five minutes, I gave it up and went back downstairs. The doorman remembered seeing Steve leave. His man had driven him away in a car, but when the doorman described it to me, it sounded like the one that had tried to run me down. This was the entrance to Steed's Club, the padlock. No doorknob was visible, only a single keyhole, to which I had no key. Yeah? What do you want? I want to go inside. I've uh, got a message from Mr. Steed. Where's your key? I haven't got a key. Then you don't get in. Maybe that's the way you feel about it. <laughs> i stop it and put up the hands. Okay. I said nobody gets in without a key. So blow. <laughs> I moved away from the padlock club, getting the man's eyes on me. I stopped at an alley. I played a hunch and moved down towards where blackness shut out the streetlights. There was a car parked here car that looked familiar. I reached inside and opened the glove compartment. The registration slip showed the car's owner as Andrew Speed. This was the car that tried to run me down. I let it go for the night and went back to my apartment, planning unpleasant things for Speed the next day. Then I phoned Keith Leffert with no results. At nine the following morning, I reached outside my door, picked up the newspaper, and saw the headlines. Keith Leffert was dead. I got into my clothes and went it to my pal, Cal Hendricks. I had need of the newspaper man. Well, Steve, what now? Cal, take a look at this. Body of Keith Leffert popular comic strip artist was found in his apartment last night at midnight. Police say that Leffert committed suicide. He left one note to his wife. The contents were not divulged. Now, turn to the comic section. Have a look. <laughs> Even it's comic strip, the gangster kills himself because of his brother's death a day earlier. That sort of looks like the long arm of coincidence, doesn't it? It sure does. You know, maybe Keith Leffert killed his brother. He had no alibi for the time of his brother's death. Maybe he lived out his own story. Maybe. Maybe not. Carol, I'm going on to the morgue you get the whole story. Maybe your uh, maybe not is correct. Maybe it is. Cut it out. Okay, what's the dope, officer? Mrs. Leffert telephoned us. She was at the opera when her husband killed himself. Oh? Leffert was lying on a davenport in the living room. He was fully dressed, even to an overcoat and a pair of gloves. Now, what about that note? Uh, Care to tell me what it says? It was written on his typewriter. Uh Uh-oh. Don't make fast guesses, Granger. He signed the note. The signature looks genuine. Go on. It just said something to the effect that he was responsible for his brother's death. And he couldn't afford to give him any more money. Oh? Think his death was murdered? Why, Carol Hendrick says. Maybe. Maybe not. (coughs) I left police headquarters and went back uptown. My client was dead, and there really was no more reason for me to work on the case. Then I noticed the man following me. It was Andrew Steed's manservant, the one who'd helped me get into the sanitarium. I stopped off at a convenience store, phoned Cal Hendricks to tell him where I was going. Then I became as obvious as a tease artist in the night court. I wound up at Andrew Steed's floor. His man wasted no time. Okay, Granger, so you got out. I did. You were a chump to come back here. Inside. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> Thanks for opening the door. I dragged the unconscious hoodlum inside and went to work, searching the apartment. I found something interesting. a whole page of the Coast Patrol comics, the page that showed how both crimes had been committed. I examined Keith Leffitt's signature and got a hunch that the office had not committed suicide. I called the newspaper syndicate that handled Leffitt's stuff and asked a question. I got an interesting answer. Now I needed to bluff my way through. was the Leopard apartment.
0: You're a little late, Mr. Granger. My husband is dead. I know. Well, just let me alone. I'm
1: in such a hurry, Mrs. Leppard. I want to ask you a question. What? Did Keith always make two copies of his advanced comic strip?
0: Sometimes.
1: Did he make two copies of the sheet that showed both deaths?
0: Why do you ask?
1: Because the newspaper syndicate said that they'd received only one
0: Is that unusual?
1: Yes, because I found a duplicate of that particular sheet in Andrew Steed's apartment. Got anything to say, Mrs. Levitt?
0: What are you hinting at?
1: syndicate said that you also are a fine artist. Strip work and pen and ink drawings.
0: I don't know what you're talking about.
1: You signed that death note, Mrs. Levitt. You made that duplicate of the sheet of comics. I think perhaps you'll be under suspicion of murder.
0: But I was at the opera. I couldn't have shot him.
1: Perhaps not. That you know that Steed came up here, shot your husband, planted the suicide note you wrote. Granger. Yeah?
0: I've got money now. He's left quite a bit.
1: You'll give it to me if I keep my mouth shut?
0: I'll tell you the whole story.
1: Implicating me, Rosa, dear?
0: Uh,
1: Andrew. Hold it, Steed. Not this time, Granger. Uh, well, friends, that's the story. I'll be back to wrap up the case in just a minute. I took Andrew Steed through the shoulder, after which I called Homicide and gave them the news. A police car called at the Leffert apartment, took us all down to police headquarters, where the rest of the story was filled in. Later, I answered a query or two from Cal Hendrick. Oh, come on, Steve, let's hear it. That was the old story, Cal, Mrs. Leffert, was the real gambler at Andrew Steed's spot. She was afraid to ask her husband for the money, so... She persuaded the younger brother Calvin into doing it for her. Nice woman. Then when the kid brother got tough and said he was going to tell Keith the truth, Mrs. Leffitt got scared and told Steve. How did he get involved? Steve wasn't worried about the money. fell in love with Mrs. Leffitt. They got together and plotted both killings using the comic strip to make it look like Keith Leffitt had murdered his brother and then killed himself, following the action of his own story. Now what about the rundown and the shot in the hole? Steve's man did the rundown. Steve himself fired the shot. I didn't search him, so I didn't find that out. Well, you sure have had to chase around to earn that fee, haven't you, Steve? Mm, you said it. Hey. Why's it that? I just realized that this is one time when I don't get a fee. My client's dead. There's no one to collect from. How do you like that? All that work in Omazuma. Granger again. You just heard one of the most interesting cases in my files. And I'll have another one for you. So be around next time.